0: Property Experience. Our hosts Zarko Jopic and Anna Porter will take you behind the curtain of the property market Australia-wide. So, welcome back to the Property Experience. Today, I have Mark Pinhorn from HYD Accountants joining us. Hello, Mark. Hi, Anna. He is one of my favourite and longest-known accountants. That comes from one of the one of the more robust firms that I've dealt with. You've been around for a long time. You've got a great team. And I'm looking forward to having a chat today about some of the things that you've experienced in this economy and around property and assets. Mark, I want you to walk me through why you decided to become an accountant and a little bit about your business and what you do.
1: Thanks, I know that takes me back quite a few years, but I always wanted to be in business, even from a very young age. And I thought doing accounting was a good way of getting into business. It's given me the opportunity to watch what successful people have done and also watch what unsuccessful people have done and try and apply that not only to my own business but to my own investing as well.
0: Because accounting could be considered a boring kind of topic but I've found that working alongside you and your team over the years, there's a lot of layers to it and it's, it can be very interesting when it becomes strategy-based, not just crunching numbers.
1: Absolutely, so the core of our business is compliance, but we do a whole lot more than compliance. We like to join our clients on their journey. Mm -hmm. So as business owners, there's a life cycle in their business, and there's a life cycle for those business owners in their personal journey, Mm -hmm. and we try and support them on that journey.
0: Yeah, fantastic, fantastic. So assets or cash flow, they're two different mechanisms that sit within a business, and obviously both important mechanisms in different respects. 2021, what do you think this year is going to look like for business owners to start with? Let's set the scene. What are you thinking this economy is is going to deliver for us?
1: It's a great question, and I suppose we'll know the answer in 12 months' time.
0: (laughs) That's a very conservative accounting answer there.
1: Absolutely. Look, I think the sentiment out there in the business community is very positive. Obviously, 2020 was a very rough year and a year of learning for a lot of, business owners, and a lot of hard lessons in some cases. So the outlook for 2021 is is very positive so far. The sentiment is positive. We're having a lot of discussions with clients who are actively um, undertaking transactions in business. So we're off to a very good start. So we think it'll be a positive
0: year. So when you say people learn a lot of lessons 2020, what sort of lessons did, did they learn? What did you see?
1: Oh, Risk management. So there were business owners that had a higher sense of risk management than others. They were the ones who perhaps didn't know the gear in the good times. And they were the ones that didn't suffer as much when their business cash flow dropped off and they weren't forced to sell assets and things like that. Mm. So 2020 was a lesson in risk management, why it's important and why it can't be ignored.
0: So 2020, some businesses, cash flow dropped off. You said some didn't have to sell assets. Were there a lot out there that used that as a mechanism to be able to get them through by selling assets?
1: Fortunately, it didn't come to that in the case of really any of the clients across our practice. We've got a fairly substantial and diverse client base. Mm -hmm. I think think part of the work we do with our clients is to encourage them to think, obviously blue sky, positive outcomes, but also encourage them to build up a buffer of reserve, cash reserves, not overgear themselves. And by surrounding those clients with good advice and a good team of advisors, most of our clients came through fairly well
0: unscathed. So they say cash flow is king or cash is king. In in any business sense that's referring to the ability to have a surplus of cash in, in the position that you need to be in. Where do assets play a role in
1: that? Yeah, simple message is business is for cash flow and investments are there to build wealth. Ah,
0: I like this one. So I may or may not have heard you say this before, so walk us through it. For those of us sitting in the back of the room, slow kids in the room, walk us through what you mean by that.
1: Yeah, so probably the analogy is there are people that earn good profits out of their business, make good money, and some of them will go off and buy fancy cars and... Uh, consume that cash as fast as they can earn it. Others will use that cash to go and invest for the long term, buy growth assets such as shares, property, those types of things. Mm. So it's a mindset of using the cash flow from your business while it's strong and while it's there to help you build an asset base for tomorrow.
0: So we're not talking about assets in the business necessarily around stock or around you know uh, equipment. We're talking about taking that wealth from your business and transferring it to wealth for your family and lifestyle.
1: Exactly. So business cash flow can be used to reinvest in the business and sometimes that's a really good investment. So if you've got a successful business and you're confident that you can grow that business and the profits and the cash flow by reinvesting those profits, that may be a very good investment. But we also encourage our clients to think about diversifying not having all their wealth tied up in their business. Mm. So therefore, while there are good times there, use that cash, extract that cash from your business and use it to uh, develop an asset base and an investment base outside of your business.
0: Yeah, fantastic, fantastic. So I want to touch on um, when would someone know as a business owner, so I run a business, I sit down with my accountant, at least once a year, hopefully, sometimes more. If you've got an accountant like yourself, it has to be more than once a year because it's lots of fun, I hear, lunches and (laughs) coffees at the local cafe. But let's say I'm a a client of yours and I see you once or twice a year and I've got some good cash flow in the business starting to come through. How do I know when I'm ready to take that and put it into other investment vehicles? That
1: depends on a a range of factors, so it depends on, where the business is at in its life cycle. So if the business is a startup, maybe the prudent thing is to bank that cash for a rainy day and for, for growth. Whereas if the business is more established and has a history of stable cash flow and profits and growth, maybe that client is in a much better position to invest and to take on more gearing and maybe the timing is is more right for that business owner to go and do some investing.
0: So I've been to... Um uh, information nights at your office on different types of investments, where we've, looked, you know, you've talked about how some of the businesses that you work with are going, that are looking for investment. We've been to some sort of shark tank style evenings that um, I don't think were at your office, but you've had some involvement in as well. Um, I've seen you talk about other investments that different people um, that you know have been involved in, and then we've always had a lot of property conversations as well. What are some of the more interesting investments you've seen come and go? Obviously, there's property assets. What else have you seen your clients get involved in? What other sort of investments have always sparked your interest?
1: investing in other businesses.
0: Mm.
1: So a lot of business owners have a skill set and experience and knowledge that they've built up over many years Mm -hmm. and some of them have an eye for an opportunity. So what skills and what experience have they gained in their business that they can go and apply to another business that might be struggling because the entrepreneur doesn't have some of the skills that they do. Mm. So we've seen and been involved in Many deals where successful business owners have gone and either put some cash in or put some time into other businesses and build up a shareholding and build up another um, income stream, another investment.
0: Right. So now we're starting to think outside the box. So you've got property, which people tend to be their go-to, they know. Inside that is commercial residential assets, typically. Then you've got um, shares. Now we've got the idea of investing in other businesses. What do you think about Bitcoin. And not, not professionally, just what does Mark think?
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't quite understand this currency and I've tried to understand it, but I, I still don't get it. Mm. I do know that one of my client's sons has just made $50,000 out of Bitcoin and he's I'm got so a, savvy. just completed a law degree and a commerce degree. So mm. he's done pretty well for his first investment. He tried to explain to me how it works and I still don't understand. <laughs> And he hasn't made the $50,000 yet because he hasn't converted it to cash. Actual cash. So we'll know in all in good time whether it was a good investment or not. But I think what we've got to acknowledge is the fact that the world's changing. So uh, a lot of these buy now, pay later type businesses, digital currencies, perhaps they are the way of the future. But a lot of people will be burnt on on the way through.
0: Oh, absolutely and it really just opens up the door for the scammers and the things that maybe aren't quite as legitimate to thrive in that sort of environment where it's full of disruption and and new is the is the sparkly thing that everyone wants to know about it doesn't have to be good it just has to be something new right different not a
1: new idea absolutely and for business owners who are interested in getting involved in things like that don't get carried away mm. so you know if you want to throw a few dollars at it and you're interested in it Learn the ups and downs, understand how it works but don't go and get carried away and blow a lump of money on it it, that you've worked hard to build up over many years of hard work.
0: We hear about the disruptors that do well but I'm sure for every story we hear of someone that's done well out of a disruptor, there'd be 10 that people didn't do well on.
1: Absolutely. A lot of people work for many years to build up wealth and then blow it with some get rich quick scheme or involved in some sort of scam. So that comes back to um, the importance of having a really good team around you in business. Mm. Financial advisor, accountant, lawyer, those sorts of people. And what we found is our most most successful clients do have that team around them, that Mm. support team, to help them in areas where they're not experts.
0: Yeah. Funny story about Bitcoin. My husband's a mechanic, so I usually handle the financial investments and he handles all the cars and maintenance and, and, you know, the stuff that requires actual work power. He came to me about two years ago and said to me, I would like to invest $45,000 into Bitcoin. And one of his mates was a builder, was doing the same. Is that okay, honey? And I went, no, of course it's not okay. There's some colorful words in that sentence. And I said, can you even explain to me how Bitcoin works? And he couldn't really give me a great explanation. So I said, if you don't understand it, you're not investing in it. Anyway, six months later, his builder mate pulled $250,000 actual cash out of that, um, was not just Bitcoin, but that cryptocurrency investment. So I will forever be known as the person who lost my husband a quarter of a million dollars, if you ask him. He still can't explain to me how it works, though. So he's still not investing in it. Um, Is property investment something business owners should strive for, or is it just too high risk to tie up that much capital?
1: Again, I think it comes back to the risk profile of the business owner. Some business owners are very risk-averse, others are prepared to take on more risk, and it depends on the life cycle of their business, as I touched on earlier, earlier. If their business is established and the cash flow and profits are very predictable, well, they're in a much better position to borrow, to invest in long-term assets such as property. So it comes down to the individual circumstances of the business owner, but what, what is very clear is that a lot of business owners don't think about the future. So they're on a pretty good wicket. They've got good cash flow from their business, but they haven't planned ahead 10 or 20 years when that stops. Mm. How are they going to replace that income and support the lifestyle?
0: And would a lot of them not be paying super to themselves or paying anything above the minimum amount? Is that something you see commonly, or are they really are they focused on super?
1: Yeah, look, the clients that we work with, we encourage them to work closely with their financial planner to get good advice around super and how much they can contribute and where those funds should go. So we're very big on encouraging clients to get that advice. And super's a slow burn, so it compounds over many, many years. If clients are into the mindset and trained to put that money away each year, it's a very tax-effective structure and it's protected from uh, the client making a bad decision to go and use that money on something unwise in a lot of cases. Some if, Bitcoin. If they put it... In
0: <laughs> well, I think you actually can invest in Bitcoin <laughs> in super now. That's a whole other episode. <laughs> yeah.
1: So if they put that money into good quality long-term assets, um, super is just a structure.
0: Yeah, so
1: right. it's a tax structure. It's not an investment as such. So if you look at it as a tax structure, it's a very effective structure for investing. And it's a very effective structure for investing in property, whether it be commercial or residential.
0: And that leads me to my next question. Um, Commercial or residential, Um, do you or your clients have a preference? Do you see your clients sitting in more of one asset class than another as business owners, or is it fairly widely spread?
1: Again, it depends on the particular business owner and the biases that they may have. Uh, For example, we've got many clients who've invested in commercial property over the years and in many cases that property has become their business premises. Mm. We have other clients where business premises aren't of interest to them because they need flexibility perhaps to grow or downsize or to move, in which case those clients may be more enthusiastic about investing in residential property.
0: Yeah. And, I, and I have seen a lot of that over the years people would come to us and say they want to buy this tiny little office space for their business in their super because they've got a limited budget and that's what their super can get and they'll run their business out of it and that's the strategy pay themselves the rent but they they very quickly outgrow the space they don't think about what they need in three to four years and I say to them if you're not the tenant in this in three to four years is this actually a good investment who's our end user how much wealth can we generate off this what are the returns and often it's not a good return because it's the place closest to where they live, near the daycare that they can pick the kids up. And it was just a convenient kind of solution. Um, and I think when it comes to those long-term investments, there's some great strategy there. But you do need to look at the flexibility of the future. How quick your business growing? I mean, the best problem you can have is your business gets too big and you need to continue to expand, right? Absolutely. You, unless unless you handle the cash flow role, but usually it's a good problem. Um, so having assets in or out of the business. Buying property usually involves a level of increasing debt. How should business owners manage debt?
1: How should business owners Sorry. Look, that's a good question. So, look, I must admit over the years, I've been guilty of overgearing and I've then backed myself to make my business work and grow so that um, what might have been... A higher level of risk for a period of time was reduced over time as the business grew and the profits grew. So again, it comes back to thinking about your time frame for investing, thinking about how stable your cash flow from your business is, and having a strategy as to why you're buying this property in the first place. What's the exit look like? What's the end goal? Is it a property you want to hang on to forever and a day to produce an income stream in retirement? Or is it a property you can add value to and perhaps sell down the track? And being accountable to an advisor, whether it's an accountant, whether it's a financial planner, a business mentor of some description, but having a a property strategy rather than just going out and buying a property, that's really important.
0: How important has it been for you in growing your wealth personally, professionally, growing your business? How important has it been for you to have those mentors and those accountability partners. How how do you use that in your own business and life? What does that look like?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. And I'm sure
0: your wife is one of those accountability partners. (laughs) She's got her job cut out for her.
1: Look, I've always had the attitude of going to work, building the business so that I can uh, utilise the cash flow from the business to build wealth outside of the business. So... I've always put pressure on myself to uh, use the cash flow from the business to to grow other assets, diversify my wealth, Um, a very premeditated plan from the start that I had, which was I wanted to be financially independent at a reasonable age and not relying upon anybody else.
0: You're only 29 now, so look 20, at you go.
1: 29 and a half.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Bit very, of GST on there. <laughs> very, very,
1: very great for 29. <laughs> You've
0: had a tough life, haven't
1: you? <laughs> very tough. Um, last year was very tough, uh, but hopefully this year will be better. Yeah.
0: Um, it's positive, but look, I hear. It's a positive outlook.
1: Yes, very positive. Uh, look, I have a peer group that I talk to and bounce ideas around, and I find that's really worthwhile because... You only know what you know. We've all got our own biases based on our background and our um, our areas of interest and so on. But it's really good to speak to people outside of your industry and particularly people that have been successful in investing. So I talk to clients who have been successful in investing. I talk to other advisors. I like to get a range of opinions and before making decisions. I think that's really important.
0: It's so true like I've been a property professional for a bit over 15 years started as a valuer. I have worked in this sector in the investment side for coming on to 10 years soon and actually no less than that eight years. Um, and I still every month sit down with a room full of my peers, property valuers and we pick each other's brains and talk about what's happening in the industry. I sit down with my peers at, at um, in the TAFE. it's an Institute where we teach the degree course and talk about what's happening in the industry and the sector. I sit down with my team and we work out what's happening in the industry and the sector because I'd love to think that I know everything and I tell my husband all the time that I know everything. But the reality is no one does, right? So it's I think it's hugely important if anyone's out there making these decisions on their own to buy a significantly big asset with a significantly big amount of debt attached to it in most cases to consult with people.
1: 100%. Because people
0: have made mistakes before you. <laughs> Lots of people have made mistakes before you. So if you can learn what not to do at, at a minimum. I and, and, and
1: agree 100% with that. I, I think knowing that you have a certain skill set and a certain level of knowledge uh, is one thing. And accepting the fact that there are other people out there that have been there and done that. So try and learn from their mistakes before you make the same mistakes. Yeah. Bounce ideas around, vote test your ideas on other people before putting them into action because they're big decisions that you've got to get right.
0: Yeah. I and mean, I hear so many people say, oh, I don't want to talk about it because either someone will steal my idea or someone will do it before me or I'm scared I'll seem silly. But the, 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 the times that often happens is, is almost none, right? People usually want to help their friends or colleagues or people they know get it right. What have you seen go wrong? But business owners, you know, they're out there, they're... Some would say business owners might be risk takers by nature because, you know, what crazy person wants to own your own business, have to pay wages, have to bring the, the money in every week and not be able to borrow money off a bank like a normal person? <laughs> might be a risk taker. And business owners may be slightly more aggressive in their investment strategies than, say, you know, the local librarian. Um, so what have you seen go wrong? Taking risks, where does it go wrong?
1: Oh, we've had... Some great examples of people ringing us on a Monday and telling us that they bought a property at an auction on Saturday and that might be an investment property, and then they'll ask the question, How should I structure it for tax?
0: Oh, it's a little bit too late then, unless they want to pay two lots of stamp duty, which in New South Wales is really cheap 40, 50, 60,000 plus.
1: It's a very costly mistake, so because um, I mean, to
0: change it, they'd have to pay stamp duty again, right? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Wow.
1: and it, it, so. Um, not, not getting advice, not having a plan, and making off-the-cuff decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where we've seen it go wrong. People are overgearing. Mm-hmm. People borrowing a truckload of money when interest rates are low. And, and the not, business
0: environment changes. No, no more pressure than having a big big mortgage when that happens.
1: And it's not necessarily a bad thing to have a big mortgage and have pressure if it's positive pressure. But also, what's the plan if the business drops off? what's the plan if the business is uh, you know, forced to shut down for six months?
0: Well, COVID's really tested that, hasn't it?
1: It's given did, people a lot more sense of risk management than they, than they had 12 months ago. Did we all
0: have that in our business plan? I'm, I, did, were we meant to have that in our business plan? It, did it, all your clients have the it, global pandemic in business plan?
1: It's quite funny. I was actually at a meeting with a client a couple of months before COVID hit, and the question I asked them at a strategy meeting was what is your plan for your business if you're forced to shut down for six months?
0: Do they believe that you are the person that ate the bat and caused COVID I, now just to, to prove I,
1: what would happen? I don't know. We might start spreading those rumors. <laughs> but it was a very interesting question and the response was, we don't know, we've never considered it. Maybe it's mm. something we should think about.
0: So there's one person we now know in the world that had a, had a considered what they would do if that happened.
1: Yeah. It's I, quite I, scary, I, I,
0: isn't it? Yeah, it,
1: was, it is quite scary, but what it has given is business owners a sense of um, the importance of having a buffer. Mm. Have you got some cash reserves? Have you got some borrowing facilities set up that are unused that you can draw on? So one of the things we actively do with our clients is work with their, their bank or their finance broker to ensure that they've got funds available when they don't need it. Nobody wants to go to the bank when you really, really need money.
0: Mm. That's and the if worst it's a- time to go economic situation, then maybe you can't get money then or maybe everyone else is asking for money at the same time and the the backlog is too great to fulfil your need. And
1: that's exactly what we saw happen last year when business owners who had very successful long-term businesses who would ignored the financing side of things went to their lenders to look for temporary funding and in some cases they just couldn't get it mm. or it took a long, long time. Well, a lot of stress.
0: and that's when you've had the downturns. So the bank looks at the numbers. They don't say you've got 20 years of great trading history and you've had one bad year and now you're coming now that you've run out of money. I mean, that's the time the bank doesn't want to lend you money. <laughs> they want to give it to you back when you've got 20 good years, not that bad year that you, you're you in trouble. That's exactly right. So, you know, you can have a great business and it can be out of your room. We've seen banking or commissions impact sectors like mine, property and sectors like financial planning and lending and mortgage broking and the Aged Care Royal Commission affecting that whole sector. So it's maybe not necessarily as outlandish as this, you know, hopefully once-in-a-lifetime global pandemic. It it can be government mechanisms and controls that step in and shift an industry out from underneath people. Yeah, and I I think
1: the the walk away from that is to have an acceptance that sometimes things can go wrong and... With your investment strategy, if things go wrong, what is your plan B? Mm. What is your exit? Um, How do you get out of a mess that you might find yourself into?
0: Mm. We've been fortunate in our family. I've always had this um, desire to invest in property, funnily enough, is what I do. And we've bought a number of investment properties over the years. And when we came up against the Banking Royal Commission, our revenues dropped. I was fortunate enough to be able to sell some of the investment properties to pull the cash out and plough into the business to get us through and get us through, you know, relatively unscathed. Um, But I remember thinking if I didn't have that luxury as as I now consider it uh, and I didn't have those properties behind me and selling an investment property was very easy. I ring an agent that I know in the area. I get a phone call a few weeks later asking if I want to accept offer A, B or C and then it's done. I sign a bit of paper and I don't really notice the difference. But selling your own home is a very different thing. If that's your only big asset as a business owner and something does shift that's your backup plan, very disruptive, very disruptive. Moving the kids out of school, changing areas, going to rent, going to try to buy something, it's, that's not That's not a good plan, is it?
1: A- absolutely not. And we see cases all the time where new clients come to us and they're in business and they're not even sure who owns the family home. Wow. And from a, an asset protection point of view, they've had no advice, they haven't understood the questions to ask. We often have situations where the at-risk person in the business, who might be the director of the trading business, is also the owner of the family home. They've signed personal guarantees all over the place. They've uh, involved in a range of different businesses. And they're just not aware that if something goes wrong, that house is at
0: risk. That's a big risk, isn't it? It's a huge risk. Life-changing risk. So, behaviours are changing with COVID in regards to people working from home more. Now, I remember um, Mark Pinhorn pre-COVID, This it's now a thing, pre-COVID, post-COVID, they're two different people apparently, and everyone is. Pre-COVID was very much about coming into the office and working together in that team environment because like you, know, you, you feed off people and energy and, and mentoring is the impression I get from having known you for a while for full disclosure. And then we had this environment where everyone had to get pushed into their homes and work from home and work remotely. And our CBDs are a bit emptier. Offices spaces are a bit emptier, and the behaviours are shifting. And, and earlier, um, we've had a, a podcast that we we're doing with a gentleman that does co working. He's bringing these co work, these co working hubs into play, the share economy, because offices are sitting empty. So, and people don't need necessarily a full level of real estate now. They might have a mixed solution: come in the office a day or two and work from home a day or two, or work somewhere else a day or two. What are you seeing the businesses you work with do now? Because obviously these behaviour shifts will have a flow on effect to commercial office space, CBD office space, suburban office space. Yeah, this is going to change the market. What's that? What's happening now? Your staff still back back in their office? What, what, what's it look like for yeah, business owners?
1: Look, I think it's a really good example of how businesses need to adapt to changes in the environment. Mm. On the way here this afternoon, I pulled into IKEA, mm. and I went into IKEA because I'm setting up setting up a new home office. <laughs> so at the moment I've got a desk and a chair and not much else. But I've gone to buy storage cabinets. I've gone to buy good quality um,
0: e- equipment. Some nice fluffy cushions to make yeah, it look pretty. Yeah, no, you want it to look nice. <laughs> Little fake plant in the corner. I,
1: I want it to look like mine. Um, <laughs> in fact, I almost bought a fake plant and I thought it just looked a bit too tacky. So maybe on my next trip. But i just an example of what many people have done and are doing, which is setting up a more permanent workplace at home that resembles more of what their office looked like. So in our office, everybody's back full-time, but we have a new policy of flexibility allowing people to work home on a regular basis for those who want to do it and can do it.
0: Because it doesn't work for everyone, does it? It doesn't
1: work for people with young children, that can be uh, quite difficult, and those people, um, in fact, are the ones who really uh, were keen to get back to the office full time, five days a week. Them.
0: My kids are jerks, so <laughs> in a bit of space sometimes. And <laughs> I love, I love them dearly. Yeah.
1: Um, so, look, work practices have changed uh, very much over the last twelve months. A lot of that change will stay long term. There'll be a lot more flexibility that business owners have to provide their staff with, Mm. and if they don't, look out, somebody else will.
0: Yeah.
1: So we've had to adapt our business model. We've had to adapt the way we do client meetings, and we've had to become more flexible. So it's probably brought that change forward five years plus.
0: Yeah, wow. So these legacy businesses, traditional businesses, are maybe having to look at how they shift really quickly to stay current and, and be able to attract, as you say, good staff.
1: And develop new skill sets, such as doing Zoom meetings and thinking about how you look when you come across in the Zoom meeting, are you fidgeting too much, are you looking bored, Uh, what's your body language look like. So a lot of these things people probably weren't as aware of in the past.
0: Mm.
1: So there's some new skills that people need to develop and need to be aware of because the environment's changed.
0: There might be some training courses in that somewhere for someone that likes to...
1: <laughs> might be an opportunity. Yeah,
0: it's a business for you. Um, my final question, and this is my favourite question to ask everyone. You would have seen a lot of investment strategies over the years from rent vesting to flipping to developments to buy and hold. The, the, the most boring strategies, just hold it uh, through to cash flow positive properties. I know for every individual, this is the answer I keep getting, so I'm not going to let you answer this. For every individual, it suits their strategy, suits their needs, what they need is, is what they would like. But, Mark Pinhorn, what do you like? What strategy do you like for investing? What appeals to you? What do you think works?
1: Well, this is getting a bit personal. I know. So I'm turning fifty-four in a couple of weeks' time, and that snuck up very quickly.
0: (laughs) Used to sound there's that GST. Apparently, I can't do
1: the (laughs) math. It used to sound old, and my ninety-year-old client came in the other day, and he calls me boy, so that makes me feel quite young. And (laughs) I think you can learn a lot about investing from what successful people have done. Mm. So this ninety-year-old client has been investing for many, many years, and I've followed a strategy quite similar to his actually which is put the bulk of my investments into property. Mm -hmm. Um, My largest investment is my own home in that it's, I understand it's a lifestyle asset but it's also proven to be a a winner for capital growth um, Mm -hmm. over the long term.
0: But my philosophy is, just to interrupt you for a moment, if you make really good investment decisions with everything else, you get to have the luxury of having that lifestyle asset, you know. That, that's that's what you've built up for. Yeah. Otherwise, why else do we do it? Yeah, anyway, Ab- as, absolutely.
1: As so my security factor, the home in, in my particular case, um, that's been a winner. But I've also actively invested pretty much since the first week I started work mm. and I borrowed money from the Westpac Bank at Circular Key at 18.5% interest on a personal loan to buy some land.
0: Ooh.
1: Yeah, so I got it.
0: So no rental revenue attached to it, just a bit of dirt.
1: Exactly, exactly. All the
0: things people might tell you not to do. <laughs> I,
1: I read the book by Noel Whittaker, a very well-known financial planner, <clears throat> which was uh, making money made simple. And off I, I got started. And from there, I invested in good quality Real estate. Mm. Um, Residential, I don't hold any commercial property myself. I understand residential, I'm comfortable with it. And I've invested in other businesses as well as my own. So I'm fairly well diversified. I've got a a business that's grown over many years. I've got some investments in some other businesses. I've got some residential investment property. I've got some commercial property. I've got a good blue-chip share portfolio but I've also got my race horses in there as well so I like to play with shares yep. that keeps me interested gets me out of bed but that's my play money my yep. serious money is in property
0: so it's fairly low risk portfolio diversified low risk asset styles there's no development projects in there there's no quick turnover buy it renovate it be on the block flip it type stuff but then you've got a little bit of money that you have that is surplus potentially to your needs, you can you can engage with a little bit more and take a little bit more risk on.
1: Exactly right. So the bulk of it is in good long-term quality stuff, mm. but I call it the juice. And as a business owner, I make commercial decisions. I take commercial risks every day. Yeah. I do the same thing with my investment portfolio, but in a measured way. And I'm accountable. I have a good team around me um, who challenge me on decisions that I make before I make them and I do have a long-term strategy
0: fantastic that's that's a great answer I appreciate you sharing that with us any top tips that you'd like to share for any business owners that might be thinking about investing or pulling cash flow out or any of the things we've discussed today
1: I'll do your research so do your research have a good team around you and make decisions for the long term Um, I'm very comfortable with borrowing and gearing up to invest long term, but keep away from get-rich-quick strategies. Make sure you get advice from your your team, your accountant, your financial planner, your lawyer, your property advisor, and make sure you consider structures. How do you protect those assets if something goes wrong in your business so that your investment assets aren't affected? We see people lose assets unnecessarily because they haven't got good advice up front or they haven't called on their team for advice. So get good advice, make decisions for the long term. Don't try and get rich quick. I've tried that a few times over the years. It doesn't work. (laughs)
0: That's fantastic advice. Well, that is another episode of The Property Experience. Thank you so much for joining us, Mark.
1: Thanks very much, Anna.
0: Thank you for joining us on another episode of The Property Experience. Stay tuned for more great content.